Thanks for listening to this week's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Each week, I look forward to bringing you a variety of topics on this podcast, but one of my favorite categories to share are veteran success stories. Today's guest is one of those success stories. I had the pleasure to speak with Rob Sickmiller, a former Navy nuclear machinist mate, about his military transition and civilian career path. Orion has helped find Rob two jobs since transitioning out of the military, including his current career with Bridgestone. At Bridgestone, Rob is responsible for a 52-acre plant in Tennessee. Rob manages everything from the maintenance of equipment in the plant to overseeing the janitorial and plumbing crews. Make sure you listen to this podcast to hear insight from Rob on how the military prepared him for his civilian career, the most rewarding thing about his career at Bridgestone, and advice for fellow veterans. I hope you enjoy listening to Rob's story and that his success inspires you in your military to civilian career transition. As I said before, we love to feature veterans who have found success in their post-military career. If you would like to share your journey with us, or if you have any recommendations for a friend or mentor who would be a great guest, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Hi, Rob. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, great. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, definitely. And I appreciate you deciding to come on and talk about this. I, I know a little bit about your background because we actually featured you in a recent blog post because you've been successful. And so I figured the podcast would be another way to highlight that and let you talk about your military career and transition and now your current career. And I love sharing success stories on the podcast and I know you're one of those. So I'm very excited to talk about that in a little bit more detail. So can you go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is uh, Rob Sickmiller. I'm a retired uh, master chief. I uh, did 22 years in the U.S. Navy as uh, in the nuclear field, so I was a machinist mate. Uh, four different submarines, uh, traveled about nine different places in, in my career, uh, living-wise, uh, and then finished my, my uh, Navy career at the Navy Personnel Command as a detailer. So I kind of had a wide variety of uh, different jobs on the nuclear side of the house. I uh, went back to school when I got out of the Navy and got my bachelor's degree in nuclear energy engineering technology. Uh, and then completely decided that uh, nuclear power wasn't for me. So uh, I'm one of those few guys that got out of the nuclear side of the house and uh, did something different. And uh, we'll get a chance to talk a little bit more about that uh, in a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And thanks for sharing that. I know that we've worked with you, I believe, a couple of different times. So how did you initially hear about Orion and how did you connect with us? So, you know, at the time I was at Navy Personnel Command in Millington, uh, Memphis, and uh, knew I was going to retire from there. So I uh, spent quite a bit of time trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And uh, actually, one of one of my fellow shipmates said, hey, have you talked to Orion yet? And uh, I said, no, who's who's Ryan? He said, no, oh, Ryan. And I said, no. So <laughs> I, I kind of got introduced that way. So uh, I spent some time getting to know uh, the recruiter from Orion. Uh, they had some opportunity in the Atlanta area for a hiring conference. And so um, I was able to get away, and, and I drove down from from Memphis to Atlanta, which wasn't, wasn't too bad of a trip. I uh, spent the night that weekend and did a, a bunch of interviews all day on Saturday. And uh, uh, I basically met – I, I kind of was one of the guys that lucked out. I met an Air Force colonel who was a facilities manager, and that's kind of what I was looking into doing is getting into maintenance side of the house. And uh, he was specifically looking for Navy chief, so it worked out in my favor. So I got hired on uh, pretty quickly after retirement. I went to work for a company called Cassidy Turley, 
and we took care of a, a large 120-acre uh, campus for the Kimberly Clark Corporation. So I hired on as the chief engineer uh, and ran a team of about 12 facilities engineers. Uh, had nine or, or 10 buildings, uh, Olympic-sized swimming pool, lake, you name it. Uh, and that's kind of how it started. All that came through Orion. They helped me with my resume. They helped me with interview techniques and all that stuff. So that's that's kind of how I, I got into it with Orion. And then uh, about uh, three and a half years ago, um, company changed hands, um, which happens a lot on the facility side of the, the world. And the new company and my and me didn't get along uh, philosophy wise, and so I started looking again. And I uh, just happened to reach back out to Orion and go, hey, what do you got for a master chief uh, in the Tennessee area? Because I'm from Tennessee, and uh, they were able to, to hook me up with uh, Bridgestone. And I'm currently the facilities manager at a large tire plant in Laverne, Tennessee, which is just outside of Nashville. Very cool. So the first time you worked with us, you attended a conference. The second time, you really just reached back out to, I assume, probably maybe the recruiting team that you had worked with previously and just found the Bridgestone opportunity. That's absolutely correct. Yeah, so my recruiter, uh, we stayed in touch. He probably called me once every two or three months and asked me how things were going, and that was kind of cool. We, we built a relationship. And so when it was time for me to start looking again, uh, I just you know, one day decided I'd just give him a call back, and he took my call and said, let me look around and see what I can find, and it probably wasn't 48 hours. And, hey, what do you think about this? And that's just kind of how I ended up where I am. That's awesome. Well, circling back to the hiring conference, I know that's not really the topic of our conversation, but, you know, with someone with your background, you had tons of military experience, you're retired. I mean, was a conference something that you were initially open to, or did you have any reservations about it? I, I'd say I was open to it, um, but I also spent you know, a good deal of time trying to find a job on my own. So, uh, being a, a pretty proactive guy, I, I don't know how many jobs I applied for online and, and how many phone calls I had and, and interviews that just weren't going anywhere. So when he said, hey, what do you think about going down here? There's going to be several companies. You'll get some face-to-face time. Uh, it just made sense to me, and it, it turned out to be pretty good. Yeah, that's really good to hear. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit more about your career with Bridgestone um, because that is where you currently are. I, I assume you're probably maybe even sitting there at work right now. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. Okay, very cool. Okay, so I want to talk about that. Have you experienced any career progression since joining the company? I think you've been there for a few years now, right? Right. I, I've, I've been here for three and a half years, and I wouldn't say career progression, Um I have increased my salary by 15%, so I've got a 5% raise every year. Uh, and it's not that um, there aren't career, career progression steps, but my position is a is a pretty unique position as the as the facilities manager. Uh, if if I wanted to, you know, really to progress, I would have to go do something completely different. Uh, mm-hmm. And I really enjoy what I do, so it's not something that currently is on my radar. Um, with with my pension and and I, I make very good money here with Bridgestone. I'm very comfortable where I'm at and, and with what I'm doing. And so uh, Bridgestone has a, a thousand opportunities. They really do. Uh, there's places all over the world you can go work, and there's different plants and there's different roles. Um, but I've just found my niche that I like, and that's, that's so. My intention right now is just to stay where I am and doing what I'm doing. 
Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like you said, you're in a raise year after year with a lot of organizations. I think that they, and I don't know that Bridgestone is this way. It doesn't sound like it is, especially with it being a larger company. But some organizations are flat and there's not a lot of room for upward mobility, but there are other things that can change, like your salary and your responsibilities and things like that. And so it's nice to have the mindset where you're open to that as well versus just seeking, you know, the next step up. And and maybe some people are constantly interested in getting promoted and that's totally fine too. But um, I think Mm -hmm. that's something, you know, worth keeping in mind is that it's not always about a different title. Right. And and we've got six or seven other Navy guys that work here. In fact, my boss and his boss are both ex-Navy and they've been, one guy's been with the Navy with Bridgestone 11 years, one guy's been with Bridgestone 18 years. And they've worked up from uh, a guy much lower than where I'm at all the way to the top. So there's, there's lots of advancement opportunities with Bridgestone. It just depends on what you want to do. Mm-hmm. So your current role as a facility manager, can you tell me a little bit about, I guess, kind of a day in the life? So you're there today, and we're recording this podcast on a Thursday. So what's what's this Thursday look like for you? And what just generally, what are some of the things that you're responsible for? Uh, okay. Um, have you got a couple hours? Or we only got a couple minutes, right? No. Uh, yeah, just well, give us a brief overview. Yeah, the best best way to think about it is obviously a tire plant is a production plant, so it's all about making tires. Well, I'm a guy that owns everything that doesn't make tires. So my responsibilities range from uh, I own all the fork trucks in the plant, 160 of those. I own all the hoist and cranes. I own all the dock locks and dock doors and dock levelers. I have 68 of those. Uh, anything to do with any elevators in the plant, freight elevators, personnel elevators. Uh, I own the plumbing crew. I have a three-man plumbing crew that's here five days a week. I own janitorial. That's a 56-person team, uh, and they work basically around the clock, 24-7, 365. Uh, grounds crew, we have 137 acres here, so I have a crew that comes to take care of all the grounds. So a lot of my time is spent uh, really managing contractors. Uh, I don't have a lot, any production people that report to me. All my stuff is contracted. Uh, so a day in the life of Rob is is a lot of time spent uh, overseeing many different jobs. So uh, a lot of my responsibility is, is putting the right people in the right place. Uh, in this case, a lot of them tend to be contractors because they're more specific. Like I have a, a contract team that takes care of all the fork trucks. So, you know, I bring the experts in, the plumbers. You know, we use a company, large company from Atlanta or from Nashville that that do all my plumbing and janitorial has a manager on site. He reports to me. Uh, I coordinate all the stuff uh, as far as Bridgestone wise with the janitorial team. So uh, I have pretty good hours. I, I work six to two are my official hours. Five uh, thirty to three thirty is usually what it turns into. Uh, but I work five days a week, and so very rarely do I spend time here on the weekends. Uh, and I like that. So one one thing that was important when I got out of the Navy was was family time. So this is a job that, that has a lot of pressure and it, it it has a lot of stress involved in it, but I also get to make a difference on a daily basis and that, that's important to me. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned making a difference and it sounds like you do have a lot of influence there where you are currently. So if you're, you know, looking at back at the three years that you've been with Bridgestone, is there anything that stands out to you as being one of the more rewarding aspects of your career? Well, I, I would say there's 1,400 employees here, and um, some of the conditions in the tire plant are not good. So people are working in very hot conditions and very uh, dusty conditions, and 
a lot of the work is very labor intensive. So being the guy that, and this this may sound sound petty, but being the guy that makes sure the lunchroom's clean and that the tables have decent chairs and that the showers are clean and there's soap and and all those little things that that don't sound that important, uh, but mean a lot to that guy that just spent the last 12 hours out there building tires uh, nonstop. You know, those those little things are important to me. I get to work on the floors. Uh, everything here is cement. All the floors, you know, it's floor repairs. Any guy that drives a fork truck that has no suspension across a rough floor will thank you for anything that you can do. So it, it's that people interaction that I like too. So um, most people in the plant know who Rob is. So I, I do get a neat little golf cart I get to drive around. So I get waved down all the time and said, hey, can you help with this? And I'm the guy that, that gets to do that. So it's it's really a neat, neat position. That is cool. And what I get from that is really just your time in the military ingrained in you, like this selfless service that you wanted to carry on into your um, civilian career. And it sounds like you found somewhere where you can do that and where it's also appreciated. Absolutely. And it, it is. It's very, very rewarding. So uh, there's always a struggle with budget. I think that's any company nowadays. Uh, but you just have to keep doing what you got to do every day. And uh, if you can make a difference, then I can go home at night and uh, and sleep well. So. Mhm. Yeah. Um, so in your position, I know you, you mentioned that you manage lots of processes and um, employees, but are you in a position then now that you're able to also have some sort of say in the hiring process as well? Yeah. So the unique piece of that is uh, for the first two years here, I really wasn't involved in that at all. Um, but some people have moved around and some people have changed and so I was brought in to actually help with all the phone screenings on the maintenance side of the house. So every one of our maintenance technicians that now come into the plant, uh, it's myself and one other person uh, along with a HR representative that get to do all the initial phone screenings. So we're we're a um, multifunction maintenance facility. So our, our guys have to know um, mechanical stuff. They have to know electrical stuff. They have to know electronic stuff. Uh, so I, you know, I spent a couple of months learning some of the insides and outs of what the maintenance guys actually do, and now I'm the frontline guy. So we, we do all the initial interviews, and then the, the exciting thing that happened just a couple of months ago, I got to go to uh, Norfolk, Virginia, to an actual Orion hiring conference. So I got to conduct uh, 12 interviews with uh, potential candidates, uh, all of them transitioning out of the military. And uh, you know, the unique thing there is is HR knows nothing about the military side of the house. When I say nothing, they don't necessarily understand the lingo and they don't understand what jobs for what. So I get to provide that piece and it's it's pretty rewarding as well. That's really awesome that you were able to attend a conference. I'm sure it felt like a full circle moment to you and you could really, you could relate to those guys on a level that uh, most people that are attending really can't because you've already been in their shoes and you've experienced it and you know what it's like to you know, be going into a day where you've got anywhere from five to 10 interviews lined up and how stressful that can be. And so I'm sure that you were um, a key part in putting some of those people that you interviewed at ease. Yeah, ab absolutely. And and it was, you know, it's neat to talk to those guys a little bit about, and I mean, times are limited. You've, you've got windows that you have to get your interviews done, but uh, every one of them, we, we had five to 10 minutes where we could talk about their experiences and and, you know, they could ask me questions about what I've experienced since I got out. And, uh, yeah, so it's really, and your comment about full circle is absolutely it. it. It was great to be able to come back and support Orion like they've supported me. So 
Uh, and we look forward to doing a couple more. So we've got, uh, I think, three scheduled for next year. That As long as things stay the way they are, I'll get to do it again. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that's really cool. So just based on that, since you mentioned that you are really someone who's on the first line of the interview process for these uh, maintenance employees that you guys are hiring, if anyone's listening to this and they're interested, they think that Bridgestone sounds like a cool place to work and, you know, they want to learn more or, you know, even figure out would they be someone who'd be good at this type of job, what do you think is something that's important that you look for in a hire? So when you're interviewing somebody, and it doesn't even have to be like a technical skill, it can be intangibles like, you know, their ability to learn, their communication, things like that. But is there anything that stands out to you when you're sitting in that interview? Well, I, I you know, the biggest thing, believe it or not, is just promptness. Uh, it, it amazes me the people that we call for interviews that uh, are 10 minutes late to the interview. Uh, and I don't think we'll see that with most military. Most military, military people are prompt. Uh, and then the second thing I will say is, is resume. Resume is crazy important. Uh, we, we get resumes every day that uh, you can just tell the person hasn't spent any time whatsoever, you know, going through it, looking at it. You know, that was a big help for me with Orion was, was putting my resume in, in a logical order and, and step by step and listing things that were important. So it, it's much easier on the hiring side of the house if, if we have a decent resume that we can understand and that we know, you know, what the person's skill set is ahead of time. And for me, I ask all the technical questions. So if I if I got a good idea of what their you know, technical background is from examples, uh, it helps a lot. And then, uh, of course, you know, the, the, the military uh, jargon or, or spoken words aren't always understood. So, um, you know, I would tell people they just need to take time to think about that the person on the other side of the phone or the other side of the interview may not be ex-military like me. And you just, you know, a lot of people use uh, abbreviations and stuff that mean no, you know, mean absolutely nothing to uh, a non-military person. So it, it's something that's ingrained in us in, in our military career. So you really have to take the time to stop and think about, you know, SRO doesn't mean anything to a, a non-military person. You know it means shut down reactor operator. It just, that's the, that's the, probably the piece that I would give to them is make sure you, you think about what you're going to say and how you're going to explain it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and here at Orion, we really try to coach both sides of the equation. So, you know, of course, as you've experienced, we work with our veterans to update their resumes and um, try to really explain it as much as they possibly can, you know, try to take out some of the acronyms and things that might be harder to understand for a civilian hiring manager. But then on the flip side, we also do a lot of work with the employers as well. Um, just really even as simple as showing them how to read a military resume or, um, you know, asking more in-depth questions. If there's something that you don't understand or something that's confusing to you, make sure that you ask the questions to make sure that you really are understanding what that person's background is. I mean, there's plenty of times you could have some sort of award or certification on a military resume that if you're a civilian hiring manager and you've no idea what the significance of that is, you could just completely gloss over it, not knowing that this is a great candidate that you're passing up on because you didn't ask the right questions. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And I think it's great. Like I said, we coach, we try to coach both sides, but I think it's great to have somebody like you um, really deeply ingrained in the hiring process, even being at the interviews and being able to debrief with your coworkers afterwards and tell them, hey, he said this, 
maybe that didn't stand out to you, but here's what it actually means and things like that. Of course, at Orion, we do our best to coach, but we are also a third party firm. And so it's, I would think it means a lot more coming from someone like you who actually does work with them and you, you know, clearly have the company's best interests at heart. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. In your experience, you know, when we talk about civilian hiring managers not really understanding the backgrounds of military candidates, do you think that that mostly stems from the resumes or do you think even beyond that, they don't really understand the type of training that these folks receive and things like that? Like, where do you think the biggest disconnect is? Um, that's a tough question. Uh, I think it's going to depend on the person. Uh, and what I mean by that is, so so here at Bridgestone, uh, the HR lady that I do all the interviews with uh, has been out of college for two years, so she doesn't have a lot of experience herself. Um, but if you don't have someone, like we just talked about, that understands what those awards meant or understands what that position was that they held, you know, I, I think getting into the details is important. So if you say you led your division well, talk about how many people that was. I led a group of 25 people. I led a group of 12 people. Uh, the more detail you can get without making a 12-page resume, obviously, is super important. Uh, and then you just have to understand that you may get some funny looks because they may not understand what you're saying and just need to be prepared to explain it to them when, when you have the interview. One of the things that I hear a lot is that um, transitioning service members have a harder time selling themselves maybe than the traditional candidate. Do you agree with that? And is that something that you experienced when you were transitioning out? Or do you think that that was something that was fine for you? Uh, no, I, I think that's that's very valid. Uh, but I think there's a piece of us when we transition that, uh, you know, where do you fit? You know. You're obviously going into a, a whole different world than what you were in. Uh, for me, even the difference between my first job, Kimberly Clark, and here is is night and day. It's a completely different environment. Um, I think military guys, you know, some have a tendency to undersell themselves. Um, I, I would tell you in, in, in my seven years since I've been out, um, the military guys rise to the top. It's all about, you know, leadership is leadership and ethics are ethics. Uh, it's not something that has to be taught to a, a you know transitioning military person. So those are are super important. So I would tell people don't don't sell yourself short, but also uh, don't you know don't oversell yourself as well. So there's got to be a little bit of humility in there as long as as well as as the confidence, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. I mean, looking back, Robert, you obviously had a you know very successful military career, and it sounds like you had a great transition as well. But is there anything from your time in service that you think stands out to you as something that helped prepare you for a civilian career? Um, I think it's just just the leadership and and I guess the best way to put it is is the get it done attitude. So in the military, you know, you you take the resources that you have, you do the best you can, but at the end of the day, you always get the job done. Uh, the, the biggest difference to me between a military member and a civilian member is just it's a I call it a care factor. Uh, there's there's something built into a military person that 
understands that you do it right and you do it right the first time and you don't slack off and you don't uh, halfway do something. You, you do it right. Um, I've just you know, seen a lot just in the seven years I've been out. The, the people that come and want a job and they want to make great pay, but they just don't want to work for it. Um, so, so to me, that's the biggest the biggest difference. And, and what I learned from my military uh, experience is, is you got to do the best you can every day. There, there's no off days, and, and that's super important. I like that you gave that example, too, because that's really applicable to anybody who leaves the military. That, I mean, just knowing how important that is. So it's not that there are specific skills that – you know, maybe some have and some don't. It's really just the values that are deeply ingrained in you as soon as you enter the military. And then over years and years and years of practicing those values, in, in your case, 20 plus years, like I said, they're deeply ingrained. So that's something that you can easily carry with you into a civilian career as well. Absolutely. Is there anything when you're looking back on your transition, like I said, it sounds like your transition went pretty smooth and you know you retired some of our transitioning service members served you know a lot less time than that but is there anything that when you think back that you wish that you had known when you were transitioning out of the military or any you know advice that you'd want to share with those listening uh well i, I think for me personally um i mean i talked about i was pretty fortunate to find the job that i did as quick as i did but I also exhausted a lot of time trying to do a lot of stuff on my own. Uh, there are tons of resources out there uh, for transitioning military members. I, I mean, I went to the standard TAP class and listened to everything the Navy had to tell me about separation. And uh, But like I said before, I spent a lot of time, you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, I started out with very, very limited. This is where I want to be exactly. You know, I want to be in this state in this part of the state and I want this type of job and I want to make this much money and what I found very quickly is those are great aspirations but they're not realistic. So I would tell if I had to tell somebody or had to do it all over again, use all the resources you have uh, and and be realistic with yourself. It's okay, like I said, to set expectations um, but, but you got to be ready to say, okay, I want to make this amount of money but Maybe I make 10% less than that to get my foot in the door. Let me prove what I can do. And then it's kind of like Bridgestone. I, I hired in here at actually a less rate than I was at my last job. Um, but three years, three solid performances, and I'm, I'm 10% higher than what I was at my last job. So just go and perform. That, that's what it's all about. Yeah, and I, w I would assume that that's kind of where it comes into play. Um, there's a lot of resources out there in terms of like workbooks that you can use or even just any t type of transition guide where they have you complete exercises where you're really ranking what are the most important things to me? What are some of the non-negotiables? Because, for instance, for you, if pay was super important and you were absolutely not willing to take a pay cut, then you would have had to compromise in other areas. For other people, if location is what is the most important to them because they have to be near their family or that's just the location they want to live in, whatever the case may be. You have to have your list of top priorities and then you have to look at your non-negotiables and then what are you willing to compromise on? Because like anything with life, you're never going to get exactly what you want across the board. That's, that's absolutely correct. Yep. 
Well, very good, Rob. I appreciate you joining the podcast. Like I said, we had the chance to feature you on our blog recently, too. So you're just getting uh, all the celebrity treatment from Orion these days. (laughs) Awesome. But I really appreciate you taking the time out. And if anyone's listening and interested in careers with Bridgestone, you can certainly find them online. I'm sure, Rob, that you would be happy to connect with people if they're interested in your location. But again, I appreciate it. Thank you for sharing all the insight and for talking with me today. You're very much welcome. Appreciate you uh, having me on here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have any feedback, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Our goal is to help all military job seekers through their transition and beyond, so make sure you share our show with your friends. See you next time.